like it or not, the senior and elderly population is vulnerable to negligence committed by medical professionals, nursing home and assisted living facilities, pharmaceutical and medical device companies, insurance companies, and everyday individuals and businesses. The Injured Senior Podcast is here to help. Steve Heisler is the creator of the National Injured Senior Law Center and has been advocating for seniors' rights for over 20 years. You have questions, and Steve Heisler has answers. This is the Injured Senior Podcast. Well, hello, Injured Senior community. Welcome to the Injured Senior Podcast. I am Stephen Heisler, founder and CEO of the National Injured Senior Law Center, coming to you from one of the best places to be during the fall. Yes, that's right. Coming to you from beautiful Baltimore, Maryland. For those of you who are new to the show, the Injured Senior Podcast is a weekly show where we discuss issues of vital importance to our injured senior and elderly community and to the children and loved ones of our injured senior and elderly community. Furthermore, we make it a top priority to educate our listeners on how to not become an injured senior or elder. I am your humble host, and I am so glad to be with you today. I want to thank the National Injured Senior Law Center for its kind sponsorship of the Injured Senior Podcast. There are a hundred or so million people in the United States over the age of 50, and the National Injured Senior Law Center is the legal advocate for the aging population in America. Now, as I informed you over the past few shows, we have Dr. Joe Casciani on the podcast today. Uh, Dr. Casciani is a clinical geropsychologist. So our injured senior community is faced with physical challenges caused by injuries, diseases, or conditions. According to the World Health Organization, over 20% of adults ages 60 and beyond have a mental or neurological disorder. Now, older people experience life stressors that are common to all people, but additionally have to cope with significant ongoing loss in capacities and a decline in functional ability. Older adults may experience mobility, chronic pain, frailty, and other health issues, which could require them to be placed in a nursing home or assisted living. Thus, injured seniors are at high risk, in my opinion, for depression and post-traumatic stress disorder. But what does my opinion matter? I've got the expert on today. That's Dr. Joseph Casciani. He is a PhD and the founder and chief curator of the Living to 100 Club, the new voice for delivering recommendations and inspiration about aging with a positive mindset, no matter how hard the journey His insights about living longer, healthier, and happier lives reflect his experience with older adults and their families, with paid and unpaid caregivers, writing and public speaking, and the hundreds of mental health professionals and scores of hospitals and long-term care facilities with whom he has worked through the 1980s. So he's been doing this for almost 40 years. After four decades of clinical work, Dr. Casciani is now uh, powering a positive attitude about 
aging through his new book, Living Longer is the New Normal, through membership in his Living to 100 Club and through his live weekly radio show on aging and longevity. Hello, Dr. Casciani, and how are you today, my friend? Hello, Steve. I'm so happy to be here. I'm doing well, thanks. Well, you well. had me on your radio show last week, so uh, I really yeah. wanted to get you on the show, so it, I guess it's worked out for both of us, so it's really good to have you on today. Yeah, yeah thanks. Um, that was a great episode we had. Yeah, We sure did. We're going to talk about your show in, in, in a little bit. So let me get right into it. Why do some older adults get depressed? Well, that's a that's a complicated question. Um, you know, from my vantage point, and I, as you mentioned, I've worked with nursing homes for most of my career and helping patients adjust to their placement and physical decline, and you know, helping them manage any psychological problems. And depression is a, a common feature we see in nursing home patients because of all of the losses. Some of this is um, kind of to be expected. I, I would never say depression is normal, but it is common and very characteristic of this population. It's never, there's nothing normal about being depressed. You know, from my vantage point, I tend to be more of a cognitive, uh, uh, you know, uh, cognitive behavior therapist. Um, a lot of depression comes from our attitudes and our self-talk and how we view what's going on in our lives, how we interpret events. Is an event an unpleasant event, a serious setback, um, a major loss, and how do we interpret this event? So a lot of it is how do we explain what's happened? Well, this is just another assault, just like I've had my whole life. I'm just never going to overcome. I'm never going to get out of this. And the person just sinks further into this kind of negative uh, thinking style. The interpretation is like, all right, this is a this is a setback. I can get through this. I'll manage and I'll cope and I'll work to uh, moving forward. So a lot of it is that kind of uh, mental attitude mindset. So do you agree with the World uh, Health Organization that older adults generally have more life stressors than younger adults, and so they're more prone to to having setbacks or depression? Yeah, for sure. We've always known the statistics, uh, and there's a high incidence of depression. One of the big problems with diagnosing depression in seniors is that it doesn't always fit the neat uh, diagnostic categories that we have for diagnosing other age groups. So um, there might be depression going on, but it might be manifested as somatic complaints or eating problems or sleeping problems or disinterest. So uh, what I'm saying is probably the incidence of depression is even higher than that 20% that you quoted. Right. So are you saying that it's not necessarily chemical or something that is like a biological thing? As opposed to, like, is it the setbacks that are causing more depression in older adults, or is it a little of both, or what is your perspective yeah. on that? You know, that's a, that's a subject for an extended conversation. I know there is a, a kind of a certain percentage of people that have a biological or a genetic predisposition to depression, and that responds well to medication. Um, antidepressant medication, psychotropic medication, but largely from my vantage point as a psychologist, and you know, we don't prescribe meds. Um, 
uh, although there is a push to get psychologists prescription privileges. But from my vantage point, I would prefer to use psychotherapy to teach a person new skills rather than using uh, medication to treat symptoms. So, Got it. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So yeah. what about the older adults who have experienced a severe health event, such as you know a catastrophic injury or disease? So are, do you, in your four decades of practicing uh, Jiro psychology, did you see a lot of that? All the time. Yeah, okay. we would see it all the time. Uh, multiple chronic uh, diseases um, and, you know, accompanying this these medical conditions was depression, hopelessness, uh, helplessness, the person feeling as though they can't manage, they can't do anything about it. And uh, they keep kind of getting pulled back into this <laughs> dark place where um, they don't see any any recovery. You know, I, I think what happens a lot of times with depression is that all we see is what's wrong. All we see is the, the disappointments, the losses, uh, the setbacks, and we lose sight of the bigger picture. And I always use the analogy of the way horses are fitted with blinkers sometimes, so they're not distracted by what's going on to their left and right. They can only see straight ahead. So it's as if the depressed person has these filters or, or blinkers on, and all they see is what's wrong. All they see is what's negative. And if you take the blinkers off, you can say, gee, well, I do have this, and I do have that going for me, and I have these people in my But when they were in the blinkers, all they see is, I can't walk anymore. I've had a leg amputated, or had a terrible injury, or had a terrible reaction to some medication. That's all they focus on. So that's a big part of the depression, where it really narrows our, our perspective. So what are some of the techniques or strategies that you would uh, work when you were working with uh, depressed older adults, adults who just couldn't get over the setback? So how did, how did you go about approaching how to help them uh, overcome this obstacle? Yeah, you know, a few different ways. Uh, one of it is, um, you know, it's an old... Um, saying, is a glass half full or is the glass half empty? I, I like to use a, an exercise when I speak with groups. I have the group divided in half and the left half. I want you to look around the room and find everything that's wrong with it. Torn curtains, spots on the floor, uh, dust and dirt, whatever. And the other half of the room, I want you to look around and find everything that's good about the room. Do that for a couple minutes and then we reconvene and I say, okay, left side, you tell me what's wrong. Right side, you tell me what's right. And my point is, they're all looking at the same room. If you're focusing on what's wrong, you're going to find it. If you're focusing on what's right, you're going to find it. And it's a great exercise because, you know, it's a glass half full or half empty. It's the same glass, right? There's four ounces in an eight-ounce glass. So right. one person sees half empty, one person's, but it's the same glass. And that's the point to get across. The person who's depressed, they they see everything that's wrong. Let's look at what's what's right. Um, the other the other you know, approach I would use often is to observe our our self-talk. What do we say to ourselves when something goes wrong? What do we say when we don't hear from our adult children for several days or several weeks? How do we interpret that event? Is it like, oh, they don't love me, they're too busy, I don't mean anything to them, or, gee, 
I want to talk to them. I hope they get to me. You know, it's just how do they interpret? How do they label that event? And that's an important way to move forward because when we when we have these setbacks, we have to be ready to kind of accept them, do what we can to fix them, and move on. So a lot of that is, uh, again, that observing what we're saying to ourselves, observing what we're thinking, observing our attitude. The third point is to really stay as physically active uh, as possible. You know, there's a saying, own the first hour of the day and you own the day. So if you if you're active and you're busy and you're you know, really determined in that first hour, you own the day. The, the point is, you it it's harder to get it going later in the day. But if you start out being active and determined and motivated early on, you, your day just kind of moves in your favor. And that's that's a big factor for people who are depressed. Um, you know, it's easy to pull back and, like I said, get sucked into this dark place. It's easy to get pulled back into there, but we really have to be determined and fight and, you know, kind of push to stay out of this dark place. And being physically active is one of the better ways. The other the other recommendation is to stay connected with, with family and friends and uh, not retreat, because the more we retreat and pull back and disconnect from others, the more isolated we are, and then we interpret that as, gee, I'm, I'm just not so important. I'm not, you know, uh, there's nobody around me that cares. So this contributes to further retreat. So the point is, let's stay active. Let's stay connected. Let's reach out to people, make those phone calls, stop by your neighbor, uh, do whatever you need to do and talk to people when you're out rather than retreating. So, that, you know, important ways. And, you know, medication is also helpful that, you know, we can use medication, as I said. Sometimes it does really do magic when it comes to helping with symptoms. That sad affect, that, you know, kind of uh, feeling of loneliness and, and sadness, the medication can really help. But I, I tend to be more of a what's called a behavioral activation psychologist where we really need to work and move and kind of stay uh, stay with that forward motion um, because sitting around um, and waiting for things to get better usually doesn't work. That's a really good point, by the way. We had, uh, we're had we going to be having uh, Colin uh, Hubler on the show in, in uh, within the next couple of weeks, and he's a physical therapist, and he says that older adults succumb to what's called sitting disease, and they just sit like five hours a day watching TV. And that is not good, not only for your physical health, but it can't be good for your mental health. Would you agree? Yeah, I do very much so. Yeah, we, yeah, it's so easy. You know, we get into this comfort zone and we get into routines and it's hard to break out of those comfort zones because they're, you know, they're safe and familiar and uh, this is what I always do and I don't want to change it. So, um you know, even with the nursing home patients, when I would work with patients and clients, I would always encourage them, you know, to do something. Get out of bed. If you're in bed, you're in your head. And the more you're in your head, you're thinking about everything that's going wrong. So the sitting disease, the staying in bed disease, it's the same thing. We need to push people. And, um, you know, it's called a gentle nudge or, you know, gentle push. Um, if you ask people, do you want to get up? They're going to say no. You say 
well, okay, today we're going to get you up. And you start helping them get up. So don't wait for the person who's really, you know, depressed and withdrawn. You kind of have to offer some encouragement and that gentle push makes a big difference. Yeah. Haven't they also shown that when you exercise, your serotonin level goes up uh, and that just makes you happier? Uh, yeah, you know, or do- or dopamine. I'm not, you know, I'm not a uh, scientist, but I know that when I exercise, I mean, I'm a senior. I'm 59 years old. I- I've been exercising since I was a kid, uh, but I-, I just can't function uh, if I don't exercise. I have yeah. to get at least 30 to-, to 45 minutes of exercise a day. Um, and one thing I found also is that it doesn't have to be something that I don't like to do. Uh, so. If I discovered a, a mini trampoline and mm. the mini trampoline is awesome and I jump on that thing for about 30 minutes a day and I do a little bit of yoga and mm. I feel great. So is this yeah. something that you try to impart to, uh, you know, to, you know, to your patients or to the individuals in the long term care facilities that you used to care for? Yeah, yeah. The importance of exercise can't be understated. You know, um, we do get those endorphins after, you know, um, kind of that, you know, physical exertion and the long distance runners talk about that. And, um, you know, staying physically active. And that's, I, I, you know, commend you, Steve, because that's how you need to, you know, build that kind of not just the physical uh, activity, but you feel that confidence and you feel that energy after. I'm on the treadmill every morning too, and I, you just you just know when you miss it, right? You just know when uh, things don't, you know, you just don't feel right if you're missing that that exercise activity. So that's a big part of, you know, the whole. Not just um, overcoming depression, but we now know that living longer includes people who are physically active. If you're familiar with the Blue Zones um, and the research that uh, uh, that team did, they, they went around the world and they looked for areas where people are living the longest. And they found five geographic areas where the highest number of centenarians are living. And... Um, Physical activity is one of the key ingredients for this longevity. And these are people in their 80s, 90s, over 100, still doing gardening, still walking up, uh, you know, 20 or 30 steps to get to the village or their their home. And they're they're just physically active. So um, there's a lot to be said for helping to overcome those, you know, kind of negative um, mindsets, as well as really helping us to live longer. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's key. Yeah. And you said connected with, with others. Um, yeah. It's funny, because if my kids don't call me, yeah, sometimes I, I throw myself a pity party. Oh, my <laughs> God, I, you know, I'm not important to them. And, and then I think about it, I'm like, how many times did I call my parents when I was in my 20s, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So yeah. I think that you really bring up a really good point that you can see the room half full or half empty. And whenever I used to, whatever, if I you know, felt sorry for myself or threw a pity party for myself as a kid, my dad said, let me take you over to shock trauma. And then you really mm-hmm. you know what it's like to feel sorry for yourself. So there's always someone yeah. else that has it worse than you. And so, right? Yeah, that's a good point. It's all relative. It's all relative because uh, as as bad as we feel, there are people who are worse. 
and as good as we are, there are people who are doing better than we are. You're right. So we can't compare. That's a trap when we start comparing ourselves to others, right? Yeah, that's, that's a right. trap. There's so, no way out of that. Yeah. yeah. So tell me why you started the Living to 100 Club and what it's about. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, um, I learned a lot over the years um, and a, a lot about what it takes to get people thinking positively about aging because there is, you know, still this negative stereotype about growing old and what it means. It means decline and loss and, you know, uh, physical um, changes in our body, our senses, our, you know, eyesight, hearing. Um, and I wanted to, you know, and there is a, a, a very strong movement out there, fortunately, about looking at aging and as something to celebrate. And um, that's important. So we see a lot of uh, information, a lot of articles, a lot of books, a lot of uh, internet information about successful aging. But one extra piece that I wanted to add was, look, successful aging means moving forward no matter what happens. <laughs> We're not all going to be running marathons in our 70s and 80s. There are people who are, have their legs amputated because of diabetes. And does that mean they're not going to age successfully? I don't think so. To me, successful aging means facing those events and dealing with them, managing them, and moving on. So my Living to 100 Club is all about successful aging, but it's not just the people who don't have any problems. It's about people who have these problems and, in spite of the problems, move on. So, you know, the, the other point I like to emphasize is that we all have this what I call this reservoir of strength and determination to make it over the setbacks. And probably people, your clients that, you know, you've worked with and have had injuries and major losses, um, there is that kind of fire inside that never goes out. And I would always try to help people find that. You know, whatever it is, a spark or some people call it, uh, uh, you know, resilience or grit or there's always that inside. And I, I, I want to make that point in my club and I want to make sure people are, you know, can get in touch with that, that internal reservoir of strength because it's always there and it never goes away. So Living to 100 Club is um, about successful aging, making it over the hurdles and, um, you know, staying inspired about what our senior years can can bring to us. So um, I'm doing a you know weekly radio show as you mentioned. You were a guest last week. I have uh, this book, Living Longer is the New Normal. I have a, a, a handbook called Nine Tips to Creating a Positive Frame of Mind as We Age. If your listeners want to go to my website, www.living200.club, not .com or .org. It's .club forward slash nine tips you can download a copy a lot a lot of what i'm discussing today about my my approaches on staying positive and having this positive frame of mind as we age so uh, visitors can can do that and i also do some phone consults if anybody wants to you know uh, give me a call there's a, a 30 minute phone consultation and people can get that information on my website on the club store and um you know, doing a lot of uh, blogs and uh, writing articles and commenting. And, you know, it's just, it's fun for me. I've, you know, spent 30 plus years working in nursing homes and that's rewarding work, <laughs> but it's also uh, heavy duty. 
and I'm looking to kind of shift into this uh, new world, new chapter. And uh, you're following your own advice, right? You know, yeah, that's right. It's, it's a new chapter, and you're staying <laughs> yeah, positive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let me ask you this. So you obviously just uh, just uh, came out with this new book. Uh, could you give our listeners from the injured senior community, give them maybe a couple of tips uh, that they could take away from this episode as far as how that they can um, lessen or their depression or kind of see things yeah. from the glass half filled? What, what are some takeaways that they can take to uh, sure. start living a better, better, more mentally healthier, yeah. healthier life? Well, a big one is uh, the amount of worrying that we do. You know, we have to be careful about worrying about things that we cannot control, right? People worry about the weather. They worry about the stock market. They worry about things that are out of our control. And that's 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 a real heavy-duty uh, kind of baggage to carry around. So one tip is uh, be careful about worrying over things that we have no control over. Yeah, we do have control over our thoughts, our feelings, our values, our principles, our opinions, but we don't have control over, you know, uh, things like traffic and, uh, you know, you know, anything else going on in the world that we're worried about and it doesn't get us anywhere. So be careful. Um, another point to keep in mind is, you know, I like to say we're not, we're not defined by who we were yesterday, right? If, if we have a, an accident and, you know, we're different, something happened to us physically, maybe we can't walk anymore, maybe we lost use of our, our, our left arm, that doesn't define who we are today, right? What happened? Well, I, to I totally agree. I mean, yeah. nothing, I mean, you never guaranteed what's going to happen tomorrow. Things are going to, things are going to happen. Yeah, yeah. So the way we define ourselves today is uh, is not limited to what we were yesterday. And you know, if we have a history of successes, uh, it doesn't mean it's going to happen. If we have a history of failures, it doesn't mean it's going to happen. So we have to um, remember that that whole piece about you know redefining ourselves. That that's always happening. It's always happening. Um, you know, again, uh, I talk about. That, that self-image, and I, I don't know if we have time for this quick story about Steve Jobs. Sure. But Steve Jobs was uh, adopted uh, as, an, as an infant, and he found out about that when he was, uh, I think, a preteen, and he felt devastated. Gee, my own biological mother didn't want me. I must be worthless. I must be, uh, you know, just a terrible person. My own parents didn't want me around, so I must have no value. And the adopted parents said, look, Steve, you know, when we saw you in the hospital, we wanted to adopt you because you were the, you were the most beautiful child, the most beautiful infant, and we we thought you would be the most um, important. Not important. They didn't say that, but we thought you were you were just the mo most important person to us. So um, it was like a flip of a switch. Steve, he went from being worthless to the most important person to his parents. And what happened? Right, they didn't give him anything new. They didn't give him any new talents or skills. It was like a light switch that got thrown. Gee, I'm not, I'm not who I was 
who I thought I was. I'm really this instead. And that's what we can all do. We can all have that same kind of mental clarity and give up some of those old um, um, you know, kind of con- constrictions and really uh, see ourselves in a more objective way. And, and that's so important, how we define ourselves. And I, I would always say, you know, just because... You know, you have uh, physical loss. Maybe you can't speak so well anymore or, you know, you can't walk. You're in a wheelchair or maybe you have had that amputation. We are not our bodies, right? The body is we're, there. We're, yeah, bodies partial. are, yeah, right. Bodies don't yeah. stay the same. You don't stay yeah. like Charles Atlas your whole life. <laughs> you don't you stay know? the same. Right. No, and just because part of it is gone, it doesn't mean part of um, me is gone. Um, there's always the me in there. There's always, the bodies don't cooperate, but there's always the me in there that, you know, takes us forward. And the bodies may help, the bodies may not help, but there's always that kind of, uh, uh, that inner determination that takes like us that. forward. Yeah. I really like that. And, and yeah. thank God that Steve Jobs, that his parents loved him and, yeah. and yeah. created this new mindset or I wouldn't be talking on my Apple <laughs> uh, cell phone right now. I'd be That's using right. a rotary phone. So That's yeah, right. so Steve do. Jobs, that was, yeah. that was vital. Yeah. And think of all the people that, you know, have those negative self-images based on, you know, what they heard or what they were told and and how, you know, constrained they are. Yeah, absolutely. And there's no reason that uh, you can't start a new chapter in your life at any age. So, yeah, Yeah. Dr. Casciani, I want to thank you for for helping us out today and helping my my injured senior community learn about how to fight uh, depression uh, and for just fighting depression in the aging population uh, as well. Yeah. Uh, I can't believe we're out of time. It's really yeah. just uh, yeah. went by really, really fast. Um, okay, again, you're Living to 100 Club. If, if someone wants to join, do they just go to your website again, or how can they get there? Yeah, right now uh, you'll see drop-downs for signing up for our newsletter, and that's that's our the status of our membership. At some point, we're going to be kind of refining that a little bit, but right now it's just signing up for our newsletter. You get my blog, you get the announcements of our radio show. So just go to the website, livingto100.club, and click on member and uh, enter your name for, you know, get on our email list. Yeah, right. and we'll be. I'm on. I'm on the list, by the way, so I get you all are. your stuff, and it's awesome. <laughs> it's Good. awesome. Uh, it, the radio show is on Voice America, correct? Correct, correct. Every Friday, two p.m. Pacific time, and there's okay. downloads. You know, if you don't make it live, there's always a download. So when people get the announcement, they get a link to the show, but they also get a link to listening to all of our uh, any of our past recordings. So you you have a library. So there's lots of yes. past episodes that people can go to. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Over great. 50, great. Fifty shows great. now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's Steve. Awesome. I want to thank you for inviting me. I, I enjoyed this. I have. I always uh, get to, uh, you know, share my my insights and my um, kind of recommendations, suggestions. So I'm glad to have this opportunity. I thank you for that. Yeah, you are very welcome. We'll have to have you back soon. Thanks again, Dr. Casciani. You are very welcome. We can't wait to have you back. Injured senior community. If you'd like to connect with me about. An injury you sustained due to someone else's negligence, please email me at steve at injuredseniorhotline.com or call 877-228-4878 or 
H-U-R-T. Feel free to email or call me about any topics you'd like to see us cover on future shows. If you'd like to audition to be a guest on the Injured Senior Podcast, such as telling your story as an injured senior or elder, or as the child or loved one of an injured senior or elder, email me, please. Senior community, if you like the content we discussed today in this episode, please head on over to the show notes where you will find a summary of today's show and any important links we mention in this episode. Feel free to reach out to me at any time to talk about anything that's on your mind. Consider subscribing to this podcast on your favorite platform. And when you do subscribe, feel free to rate and review. We could always use uh, some positive reviews, and we appreciate uh, if you feel that way. Thanks again for listening to today's show. Be sure to tune in to next week's show. I will talk to you next week. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Injured Senior Podcast with Steve H. Heisler. If you enjoyed the podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share on Apple, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. To find out more or to get help anytime, go to InjuredSeniorHotline.com or call 855-622-6530. We'll see you next time.